Welcome, 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 everybody, to something that uh, we're going to do something a little different here. I don't know what the name's going to be. I think it might be called Ball on Blast. Ooh, I like it. Title still still working, working title. Yeah, but, tentative title. Right? But but the crew it remains the same. I am Sheldon Alexander, here with the man, the myth, the legend that is Andrew Webster. Webby, Yes, it is good to be back on the On Blast podcast, my friend. Right? And how excited are you for the NBA season? Uh, Shelly, it seems like it's been around the corner for the last six months, and finally, we get real basketball. Well, the NBA season kicks off with the Cavs hosting the Boston Celtics. Yes, Kyrie oh, Irving right back gracious. And then late night, it's the Warriors and Rockets. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it one bit. Can't be mad at that. And I mean, it's a perfect way to start the season and it's a perfect way to kick off the podcast just to discuss all the crazy moves that went on this offseason. So let's see. We got Kyrie obviously going to the Celtics, right? Which is how they're starting the season. Chris Paul going to the Houston Rockets. We got the big moves made by OKC. I'm going to ask you, Webby, to kick us off here. What is the biggest move in your mind that was made during this NBA offseason? Like, what move are you looking forward to the most to see how it plays out? I've got to... Okay, what move am I most excited to see in in real life is got to be Chris Paul playing with James Harden. (laughs) That is good. I don't know how they're going to make it work. I don't know if they're going to make it work, but having those two ball-dominant guards play at the same time for the same team is definitely going to be something to see. It's going to be kind of like the reciprocal of watching Anthony Davis and uh, Boogie Cousins play, right? Ah, I like that comparison. I like that comparison. Just how are these two guys going to fit together? Now, listen, obviously Kyrie and Gordon Hayward on the Celtics and Paul George and Hoodie Mello on the Thunder, that's going to be awesome. But just the two kind of personalities that Harden and Chris Paul have, uh, it's going to be – I'm really excited to see that. Yeah, it's super interesting too because I want to see how it works for Chris Paul because – I think this can actually work just because I feel like James Harden is a great leader. Like he's a good, he's a great player, but I feel like if he's lacking one thing, it might just be that like winning mentality down the stretch. And I know Chris Paul hasn't gotten past the, he hasn't gotten to the conference finals. I understand that, but I feel like it's not because Chris Paul is afraid of the moment. I don't think that's really been the issue. I think there are real chemistry issues in with the Clippers just in terms of, you know, who gets the ball when, the middle's kind of clogged up, who's really the man on this team. I think in this situation, we know it's James Harden's time, right? James Harden, do whatever you do. But I think it can help, Chris, in the sense of the fourth quarter, it can kind of be in fourth quarter crunch time. It's like, all right, Chris, get your buckets. Do you know what I mean? He can like set people up. And plus, everyone thrives in D'Antoni's system. So why wouldn't the point God, Chris Paul, do the same? I mean, and you want to talk about another personality that you add into this mix, seeing, seeing how Dan, Tony and Chris Paul coexist with this team is going to be really interesting, but you're right. Chris Paul is somebody that the Clippers were able to rely upon to get that bucket when they needed it. And I just think that that Clippers team, I felt so bad because there was, I mean, Lob City was so much fun to watch, but it just seemed like they had the worst luck in the NBA, you know? Yeah. They could never it just get seemed like whenever they, it looked like they were, this was the year that they were going to put it together. That something got in the way, whether it would be, it would usually be a Blake Griffin injury. Yeah. And now, and now we get to see what the Clippers look like with 
without Chris Paul on the court, too. Very true. That'll be interesting to see. You replace Chris Paul with essentially a mix of Lou Will and Patrick Beverly. Uh, give him a Don't forget about Tia Dosich. True, true. I, I, I'm not hating on your guy. I'm not hating on your guy. I find it, I think it'll be a very uh, interesting move in the sense that Blake might kind of start playing that point forward type of move. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it could be that thing where Blake fits into that role, and it'll be interesting to see how he fits in playing that role where, you know, he makes most of the decisions. Because you know Patrick Beverly's a guy that's going to lock down, play defense. That's kind of his role. Lou Will wants to cook. Austin Rivers, I have no idea what Austin Rivers is still doing. (laughs) But it's something, right? I don't know. But I really am interested to see how the Clippers work out. Will they be better off without Chris Paul? No, I don't think so. But that's just my opinion. I think that they really have a potential, like our guy Bill Simmons, is they're they're definitely a Ewing theory candidate this year. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. yes I think yes. that listen, Chris Paul is obviously one of the best point guards that the league has ever seen. He is the point god, but the return they got for him and what they did with that roster is kind of added by subtracting. You know, they got a lot of little pieces for a big piece. And a lot of these little pieces are really complementary to the unit that's still there now. So I really think that, I mean, I'm not going to say that they're going to be way better without Chris Paul. I'm just saying that look out for the Clippers, man. I think that they're they're definitely going to be a playoff team, like barring any crazy injuries. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, they're going to be a really exciting team to watch. I don't think any of the entertainment value for the Clippers is going to be lost, even though they lost Chris Paul. So one of the things, too, and and I like that take a lot. I am very interested to see how – the Houston Rockets fit and how the Clippers explosion continues. Cause they're always just a fun e- explosion or implosion every single year. Uh, but one of the other things we wanted to talk about and go through Webby was the standings. Who do you think are the playoff teams in both conferences? Do you want to start with the East first? Well, we can start with the East first just because I mean, <laughs> it's a little less competitive <laughs> than, than the rest of the league, but you know what? Maybe not more compelling, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens in the Eastern Conference in terms of just who can shake out. Like, I think that there's a lot of potential for teams that we're not talking about or thinking about that could make a run for, you know, any playoff spot from really four to eight. Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting thing because I, I, most people have the top of it staying kind of the same. You know what I mean? Some form of uh, Cavs, Celtics, Raptors, Wiz. Some form of that. I actually think it could, we could switch some things up. And I know you're going to enjoy this, but I actually think Philly, if they stay healthy. Big if. Big if. Huge, massive, massive if. If they can stay healthy. I don't see how that isn't a top five team in the Eastern Conference, just because if you are able to manage Joel Embiid's, maybe not as much his minutes, as much as his games in terms of, you know, not playing in back-to-backs, like limit the stretches kind of thing, you know what I mean? And you keep him healthy for the full season. I mean, that team, Ben Simmons looks to be a problem. I know there's talk of a Fultz kind of struggling during the uh, preseason. Did you get a a glimpse of any of that? Like, did you, did you see any issues with Fultz? I mean, uh, what did I read? That they're going to start him coming off the bench just because he hasn't 
just because he hasn't had the kind of reps that they wanted to have in preseason. Mm-hmm. But, you know, bringing Fultz off the bench isn't necessarily a terrible idea because with the addition of a guy like J.J. Redick, I mean, why why can't he be your starting two guard while Fultz figures it out? Now, I, I'm not really worried about Fultz like a lot of these other media members are because I think the kid's got some amazing talent. Yeah. Like you read that he, he plays kind of under the rim and, and the free throw shot is obviously what's well, ugly. Yeah. People but seem he's, to be worried. But we're talking about a kid who's 19, 20 years old, man. We're not talking about somebody who stayed in school for four years. This kid's got a lot of potential ahead of him. And we've seen this with the Sixers before. They took a chance on Embiid. They sat him for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And who's to say that Fultz can't figure it out. And it looks like, Listen, if it's just your free throw stroke and you're a guard, I think you can figure it out. And I've got no qualms with them bringing this kid along slowly, especially with the moves that they made in the offseason, too. I mean, it's so true, right? Like, we're almost spoiled by what some of these kids have been able to do right away in the NBA that we we almost look at it as such a detriment that, oh, maybe it might take this guy a year to figure it out, maybe two years to figure it out. And, you know, what's wrong with that? Especially when you have a situation when you have so many young players that it will take them some time to grow together. And someone like Ben Simmons, who I'm so excited to see how he does in a full season and see him healthy and how he performs, I think that'll be so much fun to watch that team going at full strength that by the time, you know, by the time you do get to Fultz being ready, you know, like who knows what Ben Simmons is doing at that point. Right, because exactly. some of the looks. I mean, as a truster of the process, a self-admitter, a self-admitted truster of the process, I've done some really deep dives into some Ben Simmons Instagram videos. Okay, and I really, I just, I don't think that the league is ready for what this kid can do. Right, and I, I mean, the ability to—I mean, this is a new NBA. We're talking stretch fours. We're talking stretch fives now, and like, it's almost no, not almost. We're getting towards positionless basketball, right? So, like. You used to be able to try to define people by how tall they were, and that kind of set aside, you know, this is your skill set because you're this tall, and this is a position you're going to play. And now you're getting guys like Ben Simmons, who probably you'd be thinking has like small forward or maybe a power forward, but he has guard skills, right? And he might be running that offense, and it might be easier for Fultz to transition with that team because he doesn't have to you know, handle all the playmaking load as a rookie, right? Like that's kind of crazy, but I hope it works out for them. Cause I really, oh. I really think after all these years and Embiid's such a lovable character, you want to see that guy succeed. He's just amazing on Twitter, but the guy that I want to see succeed most of all is Brett Brown. I mean, this is a guy who came from the Spurs. He's got that like winning pedigree behind him and credit the Sixers while they went through this tank, they've kept him on. And as yeah. soon and now, if they do get some success, I hope that he gets to enjoy that too, and they don't, you know, flip him out of town as soon as the season's over. Because this is a guy who is really, you know, taking taking this job in stride and knew how hard it was going to be for the first couple of years. And I really think that he is the right coach to to lead these guys and hopefully realize their potential. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so cool for that team because you're right. It, it would be so much easier in other situations where a team kind of gets rid of the coach because the record's been so bad. And, you know, it makes so much sense that you finally have a situation where 
from ownership down, they kind of have an understanding of what's going on. And you can't just immediately put all the losses onto the coach, right? And it, it's so refreshing in sports because we're always so quick to rush to judgment. And I wonder how much longer that clock will last, do you think, in terms of, you know, how much time does he have? Is it just as soon as all these guys are healthy? Or do you know what I mean, Webby? Like how much, what's what's a clock in, in Philly? What's the expectations oh. for Philly heading into this season? I'm asking I you as a fan, as a believer in the process. As a, as a truster of the process, I would say that there's no win total. Okay. That's the goal. What you want to see is, like I said, the progression of talent. Uh, is to see what Simmons can do on the court. Is to bring Embiid along slowly. And then let the expectations fall after that. Like, let's just get these guys all on the court at the same time and see what they can do. I mean, uh, listen the media and everybody is putting so much expectation on this club to say, I mean, what was the over under for their winter? It was like 45. It's crazy. <laughs> 50 wins. This is a team that won what? 20 games last year. Yeah. I mean, so to have any kind of expectation, that's more of a solid season, I think is crazy. So I just want to see the kids play on the court at the same time. I want to see the progression of the young players and if they win a few games along the way, so be it. But I think that the real years for their expectations of wins are going to be next year and the year after. So as we look at the Eastern Conference, right, and we we look at the bottom of the Eastern Conference, I think that's yeah. where things kind of get super interesting because you have so many teams that could be, I don't know. I mean, it's the last year of tanking, essentially, right? right. So you're going right. to get a bunch of teams – and when you look at the the real bottom of the Eastern Conference, you're looking at the Knicks will be really trash, the Pacers Chicago. will be really trash, Chicago, Orlando, right? Like Atlanta, like who knows what they're doing? But I don't know about Orlando. Uh, I know that they're a very uh, weird lineup on that team, a <laughs> really strange roster. Yeah. But because the East is so bad, listen, eight teams are gonna make the playoffs. Okay, so let's let's break this down then. Okay, so let's see. Last year's playoff teams, right? We had Celtics, Cavs, Raptors, Wiz, Hawks, yeah, Bucks. Bucks, Pacers, and Bulls. So okay. let's assume the Bulls and Pacers fall out. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks. Do we think the Hawks are still a playoff team? No, I think the Hawks are in tank mode. So who's coming up then? We got the Hornets. That's three teams we need to replace. We're going to look at what? The Hornets. We got to look yep. at the Heat. Yeah. And then what? The Sixers are in play here. The Sixers yeah, I, are in play. No? I like I like the Heat a lot. I think the Heat are a playoff team this year. I think so too, right? And I'm, I mean, the way we have they to, finished we have to, last year was so crazy. You got We have to preface time. everything with if they stay healthy. Yes. Yes. But I think that Miami's got the talent on that team and especially the coach. Yeah, we've seen Spo work his magic for how many years now? I mean, he's kind of been a guy that you you got to trust in just because he's He's been doing it through every single different kind of situation you could throw at him with LeBron, yeah. without LeBron, with D-Wade, no D-Wade. And what they did in the second half of last year to almost make the playoffs was so incredible, right? Like He he turned Deion Waiters into, into a, a, a real legitimate NBA closer. James I Johnson. Mean, Deion Waiters was almost out of the league. He couldn't find a team. Right. And what James Johnson turned into as well. It's the same oh. thing. Those are two great stories in terms of guys who, you know, bounced around the league. And yeah, James Johnson, guys. 
yeah, James Johnson had that, you know, I'll never forget. I heard an interview last year where James Johnson was on, uh, he was on the Levitard show it was. And he was talking about how, you know, in years past, he dreaded going to practice and stuff, right? Like it was kind of like school, like he didn't want to do that. But like yeah. the culture in Miami was one that was so different that it was almost a lifestyle change because you were eating better, you're working out better, you're you're taking care of your body. Like it was a full total package. It wasn't just about, okay, cool, here's practice, here's the game, right? Like everything sort of- It was a whole lifestyle. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, hey, he's talking that when he was trying to get, get paid and it, it worked off, it worked for him. I mean, exactly. he had a really good year and it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Heat again this season. I mean, I would assume for them, their expectations are to make the playoffs, but we'll see how that works out. So I like them. I like them for a playoff spot. And then the other team that I like for a playoff spot are the Pistons. The Pistons. And I'll tell you this: this is all based on one person and one person only, and that's Avery Bradley. Ah. I think he is so underrated, and I think putting him with that lineup. I mean, I know all the talk about Reggie Jackson that this kid is a is a team cancer, but I think Avery Bradley is a real leader, and you saw it with Boston last year. And I think, like, listen, Boston's really good and i don't think they're going to miss much of a beat but i think they are going to miss avery bradley and just more than what he does on the court what he does off the court for that team and i think that bringing that leadership to detroit i think is really gonna gonna help the pistons and i mean like like i say it starts with the coaching i'm still a believer in stan van and i mean if they can get reggie jackson's head on straight they've got a lot of talent as well and like I say, there's going to be eight playoff teams from the East. There's got to be. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be pretty, but I'm saying that I like the Pistons to make the playoffs. You're saying that it's going to be a thing. No, I hear you. I hear you. There might be some team in there that, you know, on first glance are kind of like, uh, oh, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got you. I know exactly what you mean. Uh, let's switch things over to the Western Conference because things yes. are a lot crazier in oh, the West. Yeah. Right? A little more compelling out west, yeah. A little more compelling out west for sure. Uh, playoff teams from last year, if we want to go through this, it was Golden State, the Spurs, Rockets, Clippers, Utah, OKC, Memphis, and Portland. So, I mean, that's that's a battle. I would assume Memphis appears to be a team that would probably drop out of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, right? they're going to have to. They're going to have to hope that they get a lot out of Conley and Gasol, but I think that so many Western Conference teams have gotten better while they've kind of taken a step back. Well, that's the thing, right? You look at the bottom now, and teams that didn't make the playoffs that you had spent to make a leap, the Nuggets, the Pelicans, you would assume would be better, and of course, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who didn't make the playoffs last year, but who brought in your boy Jimmy Buckets. and And my boy Jamal Crawford. Right. And you and Jeff Teague and you add that to a team that already has Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. Shout out to the highest paid Canadian athlete. Let's go. Let's go. Right. And he's higher paid than hold on. He's higher paid than McDavid. I'm pretty sure he just signed the highest paid contract for a Canadian athlete. Good for him. I'm pretty sure. I'm I'm pretty sure I read that headline when he now you got me second guessing myself, Webby. But I'm pretty sure he signed that that deal when he just read up last week. No fact-checking. <laughs> I'll fact-check it after, and if I'm wrong, I'll take it out. Probably Yeah, we'll post, it, we'll post the retractions and corrections. Connor McDavid will come at me, you know, like, what the hell, bro? Um, <laughs> but, I well, mean, no, it, that, that's going to be an awesome team to watch. I mean, 
they they brought in Taj Gibson too, so it's really like a a rerun of of, of those Bulls teams under Tibbs. Yeah, no, for sure. I could see that. It's, it's a definite rerun of the Bulls teams. But also, what I really am looking forward to is the next step from Carl Anthony Towns. Because oh. he's one of those, you know, he's in that group of the unicorns that everyone's talking about with, you know, Chris Stops, who I don't think is at these guys' levels. But the Chris Stops, Anthony Davis, and, Carl Anthony Towns, Embiid. Giannis, who might be like just he might be his own like separate entity (laughs) within that category right but you know what i mean just these guys who are seven footers but can do everything i'm so interested to see the next step that that guy takes because now you have a veteran a vet in jimmy butler who's able to take some of the pressure off carl anthony towns in terms of handling the scoring load on a night-to-night basis plus also a crunch time score Jimmy Butler can he can get busy like that but also he's just a grown man and I think a lot of things that happens with young teams sometimes is you need grown-ups just in your lineup and now you're You're getting a grown-up in Jimmy Butler who's like really really good as well I'm so excited to see how that team will be they're getting the the knock as might being a a league pass team this year oh the (laughs) other one the the one I want to see is I want to see what Tibbs does with Wiggins defensively yeah. Because that kid's like we we talk about talent. That kid's got loads of it. We know he can score at will, but he's got the size and the length to be a shutdown guy. And if you think you put Butler and Wiggins on people on the perimeter, mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to score more than seventy points against the Timberwolves. So while while we're here talking about the Western Conference, let's touch a little on Oklahoma City because I think like you know you kind of know what you're getting from most other teams in the in the West. We touched already on the Rockets and Clippers. We know what we're going to get from the Warriors. What do you yeah. think about Oklahoma City? Obviously, a lot of turnover. The biggest winners of the offseason, I got to think, has to be Sam Presti because not oh. only did he trade for Carmelo Anthony and Paul George, but the ultimate goal of getting oh. Russell Westbrook to re-sign. That was an amazing feat, right? And something that also people probably thought once Durant left, we all just assumed it was over, right? And Russ was gone. So what do you think of Oklahoma City? How do you think, do you see, how do you see this working out? I don't think that an executive of the year award has ever been handed out before tipping off of the first game. (laughs) But I think that Presti had it wrapped up Yeah, a couple of weeks ago when he got Westbrook to sign that deal. And then like, I don't know. Okay. The Thunder last year, watching Westbrook play was must-see TV. I mean, watching him do that by himself was jaw-dropping. Night in, night out, with with the supporting cast that he had. Now, I don't think that his numbers are going to be quite what they were last year, because. but I don't think they need to be, right? Obviously, he's got two transcendent players playing with him. I know that there's a lot of back-and-forth on Mello. But again, put him in a hoodie and put him out there, and he's Olympic mellow or hoodie mellow, whatever. But you put him with these two players, and I think it's going to let Russ do more by doing less. I'm talking about the Clippers with addition by subtraction, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what Russell Westbrook is going to be this year. I think he's going to be a more complete player, a better player, and better for the Thunder with these two guys than he was putting up those 30-point triple-doubles last year. Yeah, and the the one thing I'll say too is I think these guys, everyone's been talking about the fit and there's only one ball to go around and all that stuff that you normally hear the, the cliches when these super teams get formed. But I actually think maybe more so than 
you know, the Heat or maybe more so than Golden State, even when Durant joined there. I think these guys fit. And I say that because Melo, when we're talking about hoodie Melo or Olympic Melo, Melo's job in this situation is just get buckets. So he doesn't have to worry about carrying the scoring load for a whole season or for a whole game or whatever. You just give Melo the ball, you get him a quick six points, cool. He subs out, whatever, or Russ goes to the bench and then Melo becomes a feature scorer. Russ is going to be Russ. Last year, to me, Russ showed that he's able to figure out whatever situation that needs to be figured out. He's going to get the job done because he had to do literally everything for his team. And sometimes it might be rebounding a little more. Sometimes it might be he had to get 50. Sometimes it might have been he had to get 15 assists. And every game, he figured that out last year. Now you're giving him good players. And Paul George is a superstar in the NBA. But Paul George isn't the, like, number one guy, give me the ball, clear out, I'm going to dominate and drop 50 on you. That's not really Paul George's game. I don't know. Ask him about that. I'm sure he would. He might might have beef with that. He might disagree, but I'm saying in in reality. I mean, honestly, they had that whole thing where he got mad last year. Was it last year in the playoffs where he got mad at CJ Miles? And it was new Raptors CJ Miles. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, like in his mind, he might think that he is, you know, alpha dog. Like here I am, give me the ball. But I still think even if that is the case, and it's him and uh, him and Russ are like the two like lead scores and you kind of mellow you play the four but then when one of those guys go to the bench mellow gets featured more like there's a way to figure this out where it all works especially once you slide mellow to the four paul george you can focus on playing d like lockdown d plus also now because russ doesn't have to carry the scoring load russ can play defense again like he used to right like Last year when they're playing Golden State or any other good team, and you're expecting Russ to drop a triple-double and then cover Steph Curry. Like, that's that's a Impossible. crazy... Right? You can't ask it's one man possible. to do that. So now you lessen some of the load off of him. He doesn't have to create every single bucket every single time down the floor. I don't know, man. I, I know Russ only knows one speed, but I, I just don't see how this doesn't work in Oklahoma City. And maybe I'm biased because I've always been Team Russ. And I've always been team mellow. So yeah, me too. Right. So I'll, I'll full on admit my bias, but I'm so excited. That's going to be the team that I'm going to be looking at every single night in the NBA schedule to see if they're playing. I will be tuning into Oklahoma city games. Cause I can't wait to see how I know. it works. And we keep saying, uh, we can't wait for the thunder and the warriors to play, but my other team, I, I, those thunder rockets games are just going to be insane. For sure. Those games insane. are going to be great too. Westbrook going against Chris Paul, and then James Harden going against Paul George, that's going to be amazing, right? And then you still have Melo, just chilling. Like, Absolutely. This is a great situation. And playing against the team everybody thought he was going to go to. Right? I think this is a great situation for Melo. Not that Houston oh. would have been a bad situation for him either, but you know, just to get some help, and especially at this point of his career where I know Melo was always just a scorer, and it's not like he did that much else other than scoring, but now at this point of his career, that's really what you're going to get from him. So why not just, you know, have that where you can maximize it. And now Russ has, instead of trying to find Roberson wide open in the corner, he's got mellow. That's an upgrade. I'm excited for that. Uh, I'm just also uh, being, having spent time in Oklahoma city, I'm very happy for that town. I'm happy that Westbrook resigned. I'm happy that Mello came. 
I'm happy that they signed, or I'm happy that they traded for Paul George, man. That city loves that that team, and they put everything they have into that Thunder team. So it's great to see a small market team get rewarded for how fanatic they get. So as we just talked about the team of last year's MVP, my next question is, heading into this season, Webby, who was your preseason pick to win this year's MVP award in the NBA? Okay, I thought he didn't get a lot of pub last year for it, which is crazy because he's the most popular player in the NBA. But I think that this is going to be another LeBron James MVP season. Wow. I, I can't believe you said that, that he, because I, I was going to say I think he's playing in the right conference. Uh, he's going to be going against lesser competition most of the time rather than the guys out west. Uh, I think that voters are going to look favorably seeing how he lost his cohort and Kyrie Irving to the Celtics. And I think this is going to be a really vintage LeBron James season. I think we're uh, uh, we're running out of superlatives for this guy, but I think he's going to do things that we never thought LeBron could do. You know what's so weird, Webby? I did. I was going to pick LeBron James, and I thought I was being you know controversial here with that <laughs> pick by taking LeBron James. But if we just follow well, this, no, go on. Wouldn't go it on. make so? Wouldn't it make so much sense with all this stuff that happened in the off season and all this controversy with? With Kyrie wanting to get out of there, if LeBron just put his foot down and just showed us all that he is the best player that the NBA has seen. I mean, I just think, you know what else adds into this too? I feel like when you're at that peak level that LeBron James obviously is, you need certain things. like It's it's tough for you to get up each and every year for the regular season, right? When all you're playing for is championships. It's got to be tough for you each and every year to get up. And you kind of need to find these little things to get you going. And I just think if you look at how the offseason played out, you have Kyrie leaving, which a lot of people are going to blame him for. You, But then on the flip side, you have something like, his buddy Dwayne Wade coming now. And I think that might rejuvenate him a little, you know, give him a little extra, put a little extra pep in his step kind of, you know? Like, because if we remember, LeBron always has the most, always plays his best when he's having fun. And how else are you going to have fun when you're playing with your best friend, D. Wade? You see them laughing and joking around with Rachel Nichols. These guys just look like, you know, it could be one of those years for LeBron. Plus, as you said, He's sitting there knowing that all the ESPN headlines and whenever he turns on whatever, Skip Bayless or Stephen A. Smith, they're all talking about the Western Conference. He knows that. I think deep down, he's sitting back and he's just looking and he's waiting. And he's like, okay, you guys forgot about me? And on top of that, I don't know if you saw today, but uh, the release for his new shoe, the LeBron 15 came out. Yeah, I and saw. The whole kind of, the whole, have you seen the campaign, like the Nike ad came out? No, I just saw the shoes. So the campaign came out and it's all about kind of like, you know, people not believing in him again, you know, and the, the he took a picture and Instagrammed it out today, kind of like uh, it's like a billboard kind of ad. And it says, I'm going to read it to you, Webby. It says, if I believe the hype, I wouldn't be chasing the greatest. If they hadn't tried to reduce me to ashes, I wouldn't know that I can rise from them. If they hadn't doubted my hometown pride, I wouldn't have been so driven to fulfill my promise. If they never tried to break me, I wouldn't know that I'm unbreakable. Woo! See, like, yeah. I just feel yeah, like he, that. He's going to win the MVP this year. Right? Like, I saw that today and I was like, damn, son. Like, he is in that mode. Like, he's in that, okay, you guys forgot about me. Like, cool. We got dummy last year in the finals. Cool. Kyrie, you want to leave? Cool. 
Let me get my yeah. my boy, old ass D Wade. <laughs> yeah, and, right? and Derek Rose. Rose. Hopefully, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder. Hopefully, Isaiah's back. You know, in time for the playoffs, and let's roll. Let's let's do this again. I can't wait. I think this is going to be a great season, and. Oh. You know, I'm looking forward to having fun this season talking to you each and every week, Webby, about yeah, the ins and outs Thursday, of the NBA. Right? Yeah, so the plan is we're going to try to uh, record these every Thursday night and then put them out Friday morning and just go over everything that's going on in the NBA. You know, we'll hit you with a little bit of Raptors talk as well here and there, and but mostly just everything you need to know, all that's going on in the NBA, and just have fun. And also, the big thing too is we want to include the people, so... Anything you guys see, anything you guys want to ask us, we'll do. Yeah, shout it out. Exactly. Ask us some questions. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about as well. This is all just about having fun and bringing basketball talk to the masses. Because as a basketball fan, yeah, as a basketball fan, I find it hard to find places where there's people like us that just want to talk ball and not talking down to people, but just have a conversation about ball. And celebrate the sport, the people who play it, the people who follow it, man. That's what it's all about. Hell yeah. So again, as of now, we're calling this Ball on Blast will be the name of this Ball on Blast. I like it. B-O-B. Yes. Look for it wherever you find our podcast, whether that is, hopefully we'll be up on iTunes, but for now, for sure, we'll be on uh, I was about to say Snapchat, which is not, SoundCloud. not what it was at all. Snapchat, that's amazing. Snap, it's going to be a long Snapchat. <laughs> Look out for it on SoundCloud. But as always, if you want to hit us up with questions and find the podcast, you know where to go. You can find me on Twitter at Sheldon Alexander. Or no, that's not my Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is <laughs> at Shell Alexander. My there Instagram is Sheldon Alexander. Wow, I'm, I'm struggling here, Webby. What's going on? Hopefully you know your Twitter handle. I do indeed. You can find me at a Webster 84 Just holler at me. Yes. Holler at us all the time. And in the meantime, we'll just be sitting back watching ball and watching Austin Matthews take over the world, son. Yo, my adult son, what a beauty, eh? I feel like every week, as a running bit, we should just end with praise of the with Austin, Austin Matthews, Matthews talk. Yeah. Yes, at the end of every basketball podcast, that's what we will do because Austin is just that nice, son. Oh, yo, I love him. He, that was so sick on Saturday. But listen, that's hockey. This is a ball on blast. <laughs> this isn't puck on blast. <laughs> no pucks in deep here. Till next time. Take care, Webby. Later. Oh, blast.